I'd like to kick off episode three with a little bit of an exercise. It's going to be a real visualisation exercise. What I'd like you to do is I'd like for you to imagine yourself at your nine to five. You're sitting next to that one colleague that you love having a cheeky chat with. The one where you can complain about Jeff who's pissed off because his title's brand manager, but he thinks he has a lot more responsibility than what a brand manager actually does. So he thinks he deserves a title general brand manager because that just gives him more authority and it's just a title that people would take more seriously. Or the colleague that you go out for lunch with and sometimes you guys might convince yourselves into having a cheeky HSP and you don't invite any of the other workers because let's be honest, sometimes people in the office can be drainers. So you've looked at that colleague and you've turned to them and you're like, listen, I love working with you, but I'm so sorry. I'm about to hop into the boss's office now and tell them I quit. Honestly, I'm just fucking done with the place. I'm over it. I'm out. I'm about to slam the door in everyone's face and be like, fuck you guys, laters. Enjoy your miserable lives here. I am done. See ya later. And that colleague just stares at you for a moment. And you're both kind of engaged in this this blank stare until... Your colleague starts absolutely pissing themselves and you're looking at them like, what? Until you start cracking up as well and you realise that that's never going to happen. You're not going to quit. There is no way you're going to leave. It doesn't matter how bad today has been. You're not leaving. What are you going to do? How are you going to make money? You didn't win the lottery. And you're both just pissing yourselves and start fantasising about what you'd do if you'd actually won the lottery. And that may not have ever happened in the workplace you're in now, but it's definitely happened at some stage of your working career. But the reality is none of us actually want to quit. It's just too much of a hassle. First of all, you've got to start sprucing up that resume And I don't know about you guys, but I fucking hate that. It's so annoying. You know, you've got to revise everything and think about what you've done in this role, blah, blah, blah. And then it's the process of applying for jobs and interviews and then references. Oh, and then on top of that, you actually have to quit the current job that you're in. And if you're anything like me, those kinds of conversations scare the absolute bejesus out of you. So you never do it. You just sit there and trot along until the next good day happens and you think, oh, this place isn't so bad. Until it becomes bad again and the cycle just continues over and over and over. This is The Millennial Crisis by Demi Kotsouris, Wi-Fi not included. So who is our guest? It is none other than Melbourne podcast host Adam Murray. He hosts the podcast Subtle Disruptors that explores the idea of subtle disruption and that being small things that people do that actually has a really major impact but isn't, I guess, celebrated in the mainstream media. 
If you haven't heard or listened to the podcast before, I highly recommend it, especially if you're from Melbourne. It honestly opened my eyes to all of the amazing people that live here in Melbourne, the awesome things that they're doing, and the real hustle and bustle that's happening here. I think sometimes we have this problem where we think that all of major moves are happening in other countries or other cities, when all we have to do sometimes is just open our eyes and move into a different area or speak to new people for us to realise that there can be a lot happening exactly where we are right now. So let's get straight into my interview with Adam Murray on the 37-year-old gap year. So I'll give a, a fairly brief overview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably just starting after school. I studied IT yeah. undergrad and got into big consulting and it was a bit of a shock for me, and I think actually I had a bit of depression at that time because the real world wasn't matching my dreams, and it was like eight years of slugging it out in in big consulting world. Uh, I don't know why I persisted at it for so long, but I did. And it gave me some good skills, but I had a bit of a opportunity to move to Sydney and run a co-working space up there, which was amazing and opened my eyes up to small business and people who were much closer to the work they were doing and much more familiar with it. I love that role, and I love living in Sydney as well. Um, but circumstances changed and I found myself back in consulting again, but also had an opportunity to run a software startup, which was another opportunity to do something amazing that uh, I didn't realise that I'd love so much and and I did, yeah. Uh, once again, I found myself back in consulting after that too and it was like this bit of a pattern of going from consulting to work that I loved back to consulting. Mm. But this time when I was in consulting... I was struggling with it a lot and trying to work out how do I get to the next thing and I felt really stuck and just I was probably a bit addicted to the lifestyle and um, I was on a pretty good salary by then and I just didn't know how I could and I'd had two kids by then as well and I didn't know how I could make a change. I didn't know what exactly. I had a bit of a hunch of the type of work I liked doing because of the, the previous roles but I didn't know how to get and I'd sort of fallen into them the other two times. I didn't know how to make a deliberate step in that direction, an intentional step. Uh, and then what happened was I had a bit of a personal, uh, bit of a personal crisis around that time, uh, which meant that I couldn't do that work because, because of the incongruence of it. I could do it if other things in my life were good. But when other things in my life stopped being good, I could not do that work as well. Mm. And so I took a bunch of leave. I took some stress leave and I took some annual leave and then I took leave without pay. And that resulted in me resigning from that work and ended up having a year and a half off, a bit of a gap year where I did a bunch of things that came up during that time was this idea of doing a podcast and because I was having amazing conversations with people, people that I wouldn't have normally had conversations with because of the routine that I had, the nine to five routine that I had. So in changing my routine, it enabled me to meet a bunch of other people and see all the super cool things that were happening in Melbourne that I never knew about, that aren't talked about that much because they're not the most newsworthy, I suppose. They're not the clickbait. And I thought, I want to start a podcast that's about talking to these kind of people. Yeah. And it is really cool. I, I think when when I reached out, I was like, saying how it really opened my eyes into all the things that are happening in Melbourne, which I started to get a taste of, of the over the past couple of years, just doing more here. 
but it really highlights like the hustle and bustle and the really interesting and cool people that are here. When you graduated uni, you found yourself in this IT role that you knew you weren't happy in, uh, but you stuck it out because I guess that's what you're supposed to do, right? (laughs) Did you ever ask yourself at any point what you wanted, what kind of lifestyle you wanted to live, what your passions or dreams were? It was it was IT, that was it. You didn't even question anything else? Yeah. I definitely did think about that kind of thing. I was quite idealistic and had this idea. I did this subject at uni called the Economics of Social Issues and it totally flipped my mind to uh, a different paradigm of economics and how perhaps our system isn't that beneficial to a whole lot of people. And I thought that I wanted to be part of that change and to, yeah, to bring in a more just way of doing things and so my my I didn't I, I guess I wanted to be financially comfortable that was probably I didn't have any uh, massive like wanted to be super rich or anything like that I wanted to be financially comfortable and I wanted sport was a big part of my life then too so I wanted to have time to play sport and eventually get married and have kids that was sort of uh, the the frame that I was operating in despite you having these little thoughts it still was, you still fell into this kind of system, but you had something in the back of your head that was like, I want to do something bigger or? Spot on. Yeah. yeah. I, my, my, my mentality was I'm going to learn the game so that I can change the game. That's what yeah. I thought. And I thought in going into consulting, I would get exposure to a whole lot of different businesses and I'd understand how capitalism worked and how business worked. And that would give me the ability to then find out how to flip it around. What actually happened though was I started to feel stuck in that work and seduced by the salary that I was getting and kind of, yeah, that, that were probably the two things. I was like earning a little bit more out of uni meant that I could buy more things and it just was a, a complete seduction and a feeling, I guess, in that environment, in that culture of the consulting world the whole way it's set up is so that people don't want to get out. Mm. They're tricked into feeling like, well, I felt tricked, not tricked, but I felt, I felt like there was the interest of the consulting company was to help me think that I couldn't really get out easily, that this was the best place for me to be. And I bought that for quite a while. Yeah. It's funny now thinking back and looking back at where you were then, do you find that you had, made convenient excuses or you were tricking yourself into thinking that no 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 you're still going to get there but it's just now's not the right time or do you think the excuses that you had for yourself were valid Mm. I think there was a little bit of in the in the employment contract there was because they sent us overseas for three months to Tampa for a boot camp in the employment contract it was like if you leave within two years you have to pay 20 grand back which I don't think was upholdable, but it did scare me into staying through that difficult period. So perhaps if that wasn't there, I might've jumped ship earlier. Mm. And then I I started exploring actually. So I, I did some traveling, like I went to Kenya and that opened my eyes to a brand, like a very different side of world, like the, the way different cultures lived and the, just the lack of equality across uh, different countries and 
I decided to go back to uni to study uh, economics and social issues here at RMIT. And so I probably, I was kind of making excuses, but sort of exploring in a small way. I think the assumption that I had in my mind was that it's too hard to make a big change now. Like it's too much of a step backwards or it's too risky or people won't understand or I won't be able to justify it well enough or I, I can't pull it off. I don't actually know what I want to do anyway, so I don't know where to start. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting when you tell your story because I guess from the outside perspective, for me it seems like you've, you've made this, this huge life-changing kind of decision of you know taking this step back but really from the beginning you had always had this thought in the back of your mind and I think a lot of us always have some kind of thought in the back of our minds if we're not doing what we want yeah so how did you get into the mindset of starting over was it these small little things like starting from uni and doing that one subject and Mm. then traveling and was it those little building blocks that got you there Mm. I think it was that were definitely a big part of it so exploring those little curiosities in my own small way so yeah going back to university traveling running the co-working space reading the books I was reading it was they're all small steps and Probably with a little bit different support around my life, I would have been able to make the jump earlier, but there was an assumption in me that I didn't have that support. I think that was one of the other big assumptions, that people won't support me. And that probably wasn't true. I didn't know how to ask for it. But yeah, all those little, all those little steps definitely helped. But it, and, I, and I sort of, like I say, I kind of dipped into it in a considerable way a couple of times, but found myself back in a comfortable in a comfortable space that was probably paying a bit more and was probably a little bit more familiar uh, and a little bit more of a certain road in a way too. And it took, it took a moment of crisis to say, enough, I'm not doing that ever again. Mm-hmm. Like I've gone back into it enough times. I, I do actually know what I need to do and I'm going to start doing it even though it's still a hell of a lot of uncertainty in that. I've got an idea of the direction and the intention that I want to follow. So I guess what was the point that led you back to where you were comfortable? The first situation, there's two factors, I think. My, I had a business partner and our relationship broke down a little bit. This was when I was running the co-working space in Sydney. And I couldn't see, in that role that I was in, I couldn't see, I sort of reached is the the challenge limit in that role there wasn't any anything really growth oriented or exciting for me in that role and I couldn't really progress uh, and I didn't at that point I didn't know how to translate and I'd sort of fallen into that role like it was a bit I was I hadn't made an intentional step I'd put myself out there but it had come my way rather than me approaching it and so I, I didn't have the skills to go out and translate that and what I was doing there to something completely new. I didn't know how to, say, find another co-working space or they were pretty new at that time, but I didn't know how to articulate the work that I wanted to do and go out and find it. I just didn't have that skill. Mm. And so it was, it was a, and then at the same time, the consulting work came back to me again and it was quite a passive and it just seemed easy, so I did it. Uh, and in the end, so it was rough, but that led me to running the co-working, running the software startup in Melbourne. And so that 
it actually ended up being a really good thing because it developed a whole new set of skills in me. And once again, I was back in small business. And then when that ended, it was once again sort of investment decisions that meant that the company that was investing in that startup didn't want to invest in it anymore. And that meant I had to go back to consulting. And it was once again, a safe thing. It was quite a passive thing. It was just the default. If I wasn't going to do that, I was back in consulting because they were all part of the same organization. And once again, I didn't, I kind of sought to find out it was kind of product management that I was looking for then. And I, I started to look for product management roles, but, and once again, product management was pretty new then too, but I didn't know how to say really push myself out there or, I wasn't prepared to take a step backwards in order to go forward in the longer term, a, a, an immediate term step backwards in order to have a, a longer term benefit. Uh, and so I, I took what was probably a, an easier and safer option in sticking to consulting again. And I think one thing that um, millennials in particular struggle with is that they have these skills or they have these passions, but there's no job title to go with it. Mm. And so, well, how can you do something that has no title attached to it that no one else has done before? Now, with the passions that you have and having that time to go kind of explore yourself and what you like, and are you at a point now where you can say, yes, it's project manager and on the side, I'd like to do a podcast or I want to do a podcast full time and on the side, I'd like to do some consulting roles like it's an excellent question i was talking to to a friend of mine about this very thing and she's she actually was a general manager of a co-working space as well and has all these amazing community development skills and skills helping founders and there's no direct correlation with her skills to a role particularly in the corporate world mm. it probably is in smaller organizations but in the corporate world it's very hard to do the translation, but those skills are vital to those businesses as well. Um, and so for me, I, I also have this wrestle where my title nominally at the moment is product manager, and it's the work that I do inside a consulting business, but I don't really see that the skills that I have or the work that I want to do fits neatly into that. I want to help digital businesses be awesome places to work in terms of how they work and the the outcomes that they produce and making good things for the world and to be places where people are actually more well because they work in those organizations than if they didn't. Like I think at the moment, a lot of people have to compensate for the place where they work. And so for me, things like doing the podcast, which has been a passion project, they've taught me skills about listening, about connecting with people and about synthesizing trends that are going on in a place like Melbourne and they're, they're skills that I I relish I relish using and I want to keep growing over the course of my life and I think they're transferable to the work that I want to do and that could be I am actually doing the podcast for my workplace at the moment so I'm getting paid to do podcasting which is pretty cool so good so I talk about the work that I do with say founders or different people in different businesses some people in the network that I've got and they can identify that the skills that I have and they can be transferable to a workplace, even though there's not a direct job title associated with it. Mm. So it's things like, for me, it's things like facilitating workshops and facilitation in general and designing um, offsides or designing strategy sessions where it is a lot about being present and it's a lot about 
tuning into a group and it's a lot about listening to the collective intelligence of a group as well and synthesizing that to draw out some kind of agreed way forward so I love that kind of work and I want to do more of it but yeah it's it's not that clear that that's that falls under a particular job title which is which means that can be hard to find and I think the way for me that I'm going to find the work that I do from here on in is going to be through I guess demonstrating the work that I do in the context that I can taking opportunities to do it in a small way so in my consulting company taking opportunities to run workshops where everyone can see those skills that I've got that might be outside of what a product manager actually does and then allowing people to see that talking about the work that I do and then I think my roles from here on in will sort of emerge out of that milieu rather than you know applying for a job through seek yeah. yeah, it seems to be, I guess, the way that things are coming into fruition now. It's a lot more about who you know, not in the sense of, um, you know, so-and-so's dad got them a job at KPMG because they knew this person, but yeah. about that kind of skill evaluation. And when people, companies who are a little bit more innovative and open-minded, which are the ones that I think are going to have the longest sustainable businesses anyway see those different alternative skills in people but I think uh, you see it a lot in the US but in Australia we're a little bit behind in that Mm. so I think it's about people who hone in those skills just to stick it out a little bit longer and eat shit a little bit more you know until it kind of happens the corporate world right and you you were used to a certain lifestyle you were used to a certain financial income and then in the role that you're in now, you've taken a substantial cut in the lifestyle that you were living or when you started out, you took a, a cut. How was that transition and did it make you realise different things about what you actually need versus what you actually wanted or what added value to your life? Because mm. I think that's a big concern for people. I know myself, like I still live at home, but I know that my next move in order to follow something that I like, I'm going to have to take a pay cut. And I fell into the role I was in now. And I never did the slowly work your way up. I kind of went up and then I was like, oh, what's it like to go down? And it's a concern, but I don't think it's a valid concern because I don't have children or a mortgage or, you know, have to put food on the table every night so Mm. how was that transition for you and how are you like listening to me now being like oh you got it fucking easy (laughs) just do it now you know (laughs) but it's yeah it's different when you're in the situation isn't it yeah it is yeah when it when I first decided to take that that cut it was it was very scary I remember I was elated after resigning and then the next day I crashed badly. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do now? Like, I, yeah, I don't have a clear direction forward. I am unemployed. I've got two kids. And uh, it's, it's, it's very unknown what I'm going to do. And um, it, was, it was a difficult time. But there was some, like, I, I was a bit fortunate because I did have some savings at that point. So I had some, and I had some, good friends to support me as well, some good support networks. I think that was one of the big things that was probably different from the other two times when I tried to make this change, that I surrounded myself with people who supported me and and held me in that transition. 
which enabled me, it gave, some, it gave me permission to explore some ideas that were there, but very deeply hidden. Yeah. So the important thing about, I think, that gap year that I had was that it, it allowed a whole lot of things that weren't important to fall away. Now, there's always, we, we all have to survive, so we all have to eat and we all need shelter and, and those kind of things. But there was a whole lot of things that I had added in that I didn't actually even like, but that I was doing. So, for example, I used to cycle quite a bit and I felt like it was something I should do because of the job that I was in and the people I was supposed to network with. But I didn't like that kind of cycling. Like, I enjoyed riding. I enjoyed pushing myself physically, but I don't enjoy riding just to network. It wasn't really my thing, so I got rid of my bike. And a whole lot of other things like that sort of fell away. And I, everyone's into, um, everyone's Marie Kondoing their life at the moment. <laughs> and so that's something I did a couple of years ago as well, because when income wasn't coming in, I was much more aware of everything that I was spending my money on. And I was much more aware of the things that I didn't really need around me as well. So I got rid of a whole lot of clothes and I even the food in my pantry and the furniture that I had, I stripped it back so that it was just the things that I really needed. And every time I spent money, it was done in, you know, I guess a slower, more deliberate way as well, because there was no money coming in. Things were just going down, down, down each decision that I made. So actually it, it changed my, it helped me to see the things that okay, here are the important things for me and here are the things that don't actually matter at all. And that took a number of months to get to that point. That was, uh, that was quite difficult, but it was very important. I'm so grateful for the circumstances that led to me being able to, being forced in a way, to confront some of those things. Um, but yeah, it's not everyone's in that position as well where they do have savings, but I suppose there, there are ways that uh, perhaps people can modify their job a little bit. I could have done it a very different way. I could have probably worked part-time and done that and still had a similar kind of effect. Mm. Um, but that was, it was an effective way for me given the context that I was in. Yeah. Do you think that if you had moved to part-time that you would have been reeled back in or was that yeah. like your biggest kind of fear is getting reeled back in because you had been reeled in twice before and and then a third time later right after yeah. your gap yeah so even after taking that time yeah it still enticed you enough to get yeah. or, or it scared you enough that you were in this vulnerable position that you were like I'll just go back for a little bit just so I can get back on my feet and sort myself out yeah. and then I'll then I'll do what I want to do right yeah so I think that definitely was a concern, a legitimate concern that I would get reeled back in. And so having a clean break for me was like no parachute. Like let's just, I needed a clean start. So for me, yes, I agree that that was super important. And then even getting back back into it after a year and a half, which I'm consulting now, but I'm consulting with a very different organisation and one that I don't feel an incongruence with, one that's aligned with my values. Mm. And so it's like there is realities in that you know, some of the some of the projects. One of the projects that I worked on is folding at the moment. is 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 ending up, which is a, a breath mint business that I started around the same time I started the podcast, and that was also an excellent journey. But and I was hoping that that would be the thing that would support me and bring me an income, but it's not going to. And so, but I didn't invest so much that it put me under severe financial duress. It, I had skin in the game, which added a little bit of stress, which was good stress. I mean, I had something to lose and I have lost something, but not enough to wreck me. And having, going back and being able to say, okay, here's a job 
that I can do and it doesn't pay quite as much but it's with better people and it's helping me build skills that will continue to help me on my trajectory and being clear about that trajectory and understanding that yeah this is a job that I know I'm not stuck in I can stop if I want to but that supports me and then I can add value to was um, it was a really good thing and I feel comfortable with that yeah yeah so now you've kind of found yourself in a place where you're doing something that you've built all these years of skills with but the importance is that it's with a company that aligns with your values mm. and now you're still pursuing something else. You don't feel stuck there like you did before. So where would you say you are now? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very grateful for the job that I've got. It's, it's, a, it's a nurturing environment and it's a place that has some amazing values like putting people's personal well-being first. So... And I have, a uh, majority of the time, I have opportunities to use my skills in a way that feels really good, feels like I'm uh, in flow and able to do really good work. So the degree of, this is a great place where I am right now, there's also a degree of dissatisfaction in that I can see a little bit out of grasp or out of reach sometimes the, the work that I really want to do, mm. probably more of the time as well. And... What I like about where I work is that there's opportunities to explore that within that. Like there, it's probably, it's, you know, I haven't come across too many organizations that are so supportive of people wanting to experiment with new things, as long as they're aligned with the business and supporting the business as well. They don't shut them down. So I've got, like with the podcast that I'm doing with that company, that's one of the examples. I guess the challenge is there's not heaps of organizations like that. I'm really grateful that I found that organization. And I'm doing some other work with them that's enabling me to explore things that I think will change my trajectory a bit, but uh, I know that are good and probably good for the organisation as well. But they might mean that one day I'm outside that organisation too and they would support that too. So it's great where I am now. I, I do still feel a sense of dissatisfaction in that I know there's this, you know, I had to take a step back and so feel like I'm still playing within myself a little bit and what I know that I'm capable of and for me that sometimes it's about being patient and that's where I'm at right now it's about being patient yeah Yeah. I feel that all the time I'm like am I being impatient or am I actually like valid in that I need to like yeah get there yeah so for anyone who is under the age of 35 right now that feels like I guess they're at that point of They've got something else in the back of their mind and now they're like, well, I've got a job here or I spent all that time and that money at university. I better utilise this degree even though Mm. I know it's not what I want to do. What advice would you have to them? How can they take a small step to explore something else? Yeah. There's a few things I'd suggest. Uh, Probably starting in small ways. But actually, the first thing I'd suggest is to make time to stop and pause and be silent and listen. So for some people that's meditation, for some people that might be going camping or getting away from the standard routine, whatever that routine may be. For me, that meant meditation and that helped me to start to tune in to what was important to me. So that that's like a personal practice thing that I think helps 
with everything, but in particular helps with, with this in understanding, okay, what is it? What's aligning with me? What's, what is my internal being actually saying about this work that I'm doing or this opportunity? Second thing is to uh, start to talk to people. So find, just experiment with different groups. If, you, if you're not too happy, if people aren't that happy with a group that they're part of at the moment, there's heaps of other groups out there. I'm talking about meetups and workshops and uh, that kind of thing where, so I started going to meetups and they, they weren't all good for me. They weren't on my crew, but I, in finding out who weren't my crew, I, I started to get a better idea of who were my crew and then I found them and I volunteered at a few uh, workshops and conferences, which volunteering is such a powerful thing to do if if people are able to do it because people are so grateful for volunteers and often it's an opportunity to meet people potentially who are running those conferences and that kind of thing and it opened up a number of doors for me. So yeah, there's there's that presence, there's talking to people who aren't the, the normal people that people are talking with and finding that crew, finding people that can support people in that change I found a group that supported me in my change as well and starting in small ways so even when I was back in my first go at consulting for a period of time I project managed a community an urban renewal project which didn't go anywhere but I took a day off a fortnight to explore that and so in it was like I was able to tune into my curiosity and just explore it in a really safe way and that it showed me the kinds of things I was interested in so I think there's very safe small ways that people can take that initial first step uh, that they don't cost they're not they're not costing any money or they're not requiring a big drop in salary or anything like that but they're they're great first steps to starting to tune into okay here's here's what might be available and the last thing I'd say is if there's skills if there's something interested that people are interested in doing then just giving it a go learn through doing and it might seem like that skill is not transferable in any way to any job but it actually will be in some way so for the podcast for me there was it wasn't obvious how that was going to translate to anything and but the skill of I for one thing putting together a a, a new concept working out how to do that technically marketing it finding guests that's a whole bunch of skills that are applicable to a whole range of fields. The skill of listening and um, drawing out a story is another skill that this world is in very short supply of and is going to be, I think, much more in demand over time as well. People who can listen and be empathetic to people. So, But that's just my example. So I think regardless of what people are interested in, to explore that, to start to dabble in it, to stuff it up, to then improve on it, and if they really love it, to, to keep getting better and better at it because that, it's, the passion is going to come through and the skill is going to come through and it's going to materialise into something beneficial at some point. Would you recommend taking a year off? I would highly recommend it. If people are in a position where they can do that, yes. And I think there's various ways that people can think through that and make it work for them, depending on circumstances marriage and kids and that kind of thing can make it a lot harder Um, but perhaps there's a a change that people can make in some way that also gives them that but for me it was the first gap year I had I didn't have one up at the end of university Uh, I didn't have one at all in my 20s I you know I worked all the way through that period up until I was like 36 37 so 
it was an excellent opportunity for me to finally stop and work out, well, actually, what do I want? What do I care about? And to give that enough time to for all the noise that I'd built up over that period of time to quieten down and for the still voice to to get the audience within me that it deserved. So, yeah, I would recommend it. Yeah, and I guess there's, you know, the idea of a gap year can be different for people and uh, was it hard, I guess, in that time to not fall into the trap of not utilising your time properly within there and what suggestions or what would you say to people that they should do or they need to do to kind of not end up doing nothing because I know if I have a day off yeah it I'm either killing it or I'm in bed all day like what would you suggest that um people do to utilize whether it's a gap year or a gap week even you know I think that can really Mm. help a lot of people as well yeah the things that helped me were having a group that supported me so I wasn't I found a framework to structure that year it was called the good life project and it involved a little bit of travel, involved some mastermind groups, which is a small group that meets together every, every fortnight. And so, and it involved some reading and some coursework. And it wasn't too arduous, but it did frame a year for me and gave, gave me a trajectory and it gave me some exercises that helped me think through the important things as well. Like it was a, it was called an aligned entrepreneur course. And so something like that, there's, there's alternatives to that, that, uh, appropriate for different people in different situations but something like that that actually frames it so that for me so that I wasn't on my own and so that it it gave me a a good end point as well I was like okay it's going to end here and then I need to start thinking and so out of that the projects the projects came so I think they're probably two things having some people to support with having a some kind of structural framework over the top of that whether it be it wasn't too arduous for me. And I think even though I wasn't working, I slowly built up a daily routine, which involved, for me, it involved meditation in the mornings and exercise and some reading and working on a project. And uh, whether it be my own project and exploring some the podcast or some other things. So having some kind of structure to a day was an important thing for me mm. as well. And having times when there was completely no structure too. I think that's important too, where it's purely about self-care and rest perhaps, and maybe walking and being bored and seeing what bubbles up. Like that was part of how I was able to listen was by being bored. So not necessarily the worst thing in the world. I think for our generation in particular, being bored is something that we don't experience enough of in terms of that if you're bored and you can still be bored throwing, scrolling through your social media accounts, but you're still having things come in and you don't realise what staring at a blank wall actually is. Yeah. I did like three days of going completely off the grid, no phone, no social media, no nothing. And I felt like I was like, oh my God, like, wow. And I found myself reaching all the time, but it did, it, it changed my kind of perspective on things and I was like maybe I don't actually want to do this like maybe and it wasn't enough to make me do anything about it but in those three days just having that time it's it's amazing what kind of comes up I think the other thing would be to be kind to ourselves it's not necessarily 
the easiest thing. Our culture and our social groups are not that well designed or set up to support this kind of thing. And it's, it's a bold thought to have and it can be scary and it, it can be scary for other people to hear it because it, it's confronting to other people and it can be confronting to us too because it means it's all of a sudden, you know, current jobs might, in a current situation might, might be quite certain what the trajectory is or might feel certain. Uh, I don't think it ever is. I think that's an illusion. But in starting to ask these questions, all of a sudden things are less sure and there's, there's less, there's less, seems like there's less solid ground to work on to walk on and so to have a kindness to ourselves in that and a, a gentleness and not think that we have to rush to work this all out this is important stuff and it's not about getting there quickly I think it's about getting there and it's about making those small movements in that direction so to be gentle to be kind to take it at a pace that works well for individuals is the only other thing I would say is there anything exciting that you're working on now that you're really excited to see where it goes or yeah what's what's happening with you in the horizon yeah I'm excited about my podcast and what it might evolve into over the next 12 to 24 months so the reason why I'm excited is because there's a couple of other people that have indicated that they're interested in being part of it in different ways and I'm not sure what it's going to end up being and uh and how they might contribute. They might contribute by creating their own chapter of the podcast or something like that. But I'm, I'm fascinated in exploring that conversation and that, that question about what could this be and what is subtle disruption anyway and how, how is it valuable and how is it valuable and um, how can we use this to be an even more valuable thing for people. So I'm fascinated by that. And, yeah, we'll see what happens over the next few months. Awesome. No, that's really exciting. Like I said, I reached out to you because I was a fan of the podcast and I'm only like, I think, a quarter way through from yeah. the start. <laughs> and, and I know there's so much more to listen to. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes to you. Thank you so much for coming in today. I know that there was a lot of value and I'm sure people are going to take away so much from, from what you had to say. And uh, if not that, just admiring the courage it took for you to take that huge step back and to not worry about age or what people would think because I think we forget sometimes that there's so much of life left there's plenty of more time for the shit to really hit the stage, you know <laughs> um awesome thank you so much no, no, thank you Devin cheers Thanks so much for listening to episode three. I hope that you guys got some real inspo and could drag some really awesome points out of there from Adam. I think he had some really awesome advice and he's doing some incredible things with his life and it just shows it's never too late. At least it really put things in perspective for me. Adam had a lot of great advice on how we can start taking small steps to move towards making big moves in our lives. And one thing that really stood out for me in that was how he changed who he surrounded himself with and how he opened himself up into networking in a new way, going to meetups, volunteering, engaging with people that he normally wouldn't. So this week's challenge is all about that. It's about opening ourselves up to a new world. Now, going to a networking event on your own is really tough 
And in the next episode, I'm going to talk to you about my experience and how I challenged myself last year to do that and how I even took a trip to Sydney to go to a two-day event there on my own. Wow, that was a real shocker for me. Uh, But that'll all be in next episode. What I want you to do for this episode, though, for the challenge is a really tiny step. And that's just to look into something that interests you, whether it's you want to start dance back up. I want you to look at different dance classes that are available close to you or close to your work, whether it's volunteering at a specific charity or at a community radio station, or it's looking at websites like Eventbrite for networking events on things that you're curious about or looking at websites like Meetup that have specific groups, whether it's a book club or an old vintage cinema club. Just research something that interests you and try to find a group or an event that embodies that. Now, don't worry, I am not asking you to go and attend this. All I want you to do is just research a little bit about it. If you're not sure where to start, I'm going to put a link to a blog post in the show notes for this. That will be a great place for you to start looking and exploring. And then next week, we might take another step forward towards actually attending something on our own, connecting with people that we normally wouldn't, but we have similar interests to them. If you're confused about how to go about this, please don't hesitate to send me a DM on Instagram at Demi Kotsouris or connect with me on the website, themillennialcrisis.com and send me a message there. I'm always happy to help. And like I said, it's all about just researching different things that are out there now. We all have time to do a quick Google search. Once you do find something that you're interested in, please share it on your Instagram story or on Facebook and make sure you tag me so that I can repost it and see if anyone else in the millennial community is interested in the same thing and maybe we can connect from a few different angles. Or if you're struggling to find an event or a group that you're interested in, share that as well because then we can try and do a little bit more research together and find out if there is actually something like that happening in your city. That unfortunately is the end of episode three. I am so grateful to have had Adam on the podcast. As I said, if you haven't listened to Subtle Disruptors, please go and give it a listen. It is such an amazing podcast. The guests that Adam has on are so interesting and are doing some incredible things that I just wish more people could hear about. So another special thank you for Adam for taking the time out to come on my podcast and share his story with me. I'm honestly so appreciative of it. If you guys enjoyed today's episode, be sure to follow Adam on Instagram at Subtle Disruptors or to share the episode with a friend and tag me, tag Adam, because that's the best way you can help me spread the word about the podcast. If you are looking forward to next Monday's episode, be sure that you're subscribed. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you all next Monday. Have an awesome week.